Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today CIO Podcast. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today, and I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging and we want to help you be more successful. And today's guest is Leanne Harvey. She's CIO of Harvard Medical Faculty Physicians at BIDMC. Welcome, Leanne. Thanks for having me, John. Thrilled to be here. Yeah, so I'm excited to dive in today's discussion. I, I think you, you're, you're going to share some insights and perspectives of what everyone is dealing with. So before we get there, tell us a little bit about yourself and HMFP. Sure. Um, so HMFP is Harvard Medical Faculty Physicians at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. We're a physician organization and academic faculty practice. We employ over 2,000 people, most of whom are physicians or advanced practitioners. We have an exclusive affiliation agreement with Harvard Medical School, as well as Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center for patient care research and teaching. So most of our docs um, and clinicians are practicing at the medical center. Um, and so that's the where the majority of our work is. But we also practice at many of the community hospitals throughout um, Beth Israel Leahy Health and some other local hospitals. We're in uh, Massachusetts, predominantly in Eastern Massachusetts. Um, and for myself, I've been at HMFP for almost seven years. Um, I've um, spent my career in uh, healthcare IT doing uh, mostly clinical implementations, both on the inpatient okay. and the outpatient side um, for hospitals and also for uh, independent practices in the community. Awesome. Well, I, you know, as I kind of said in the intro, uh, you rolled out telehealth like so many organizations amidst the COVID, where, which basically required us to do so. What were some of the big tech issues and maybe some of the other barriers you faced as you rolled out telehealth at HMFP? Sure. So, um, you know, much like everyone, it was a fire drill in March of 2020 of, you know, how are we going to shift the majority of our care from uh, in person to telehealth in just a matter of, you know, a week or so. So I think, you know, the biggest challenge was just the lack of integration with our, our systems is, you know, we, we looked at our toolkit, we said, what do we have? We had some HIPAA compliant video conferencing tools. Um, and then we also had a standalone telehealth platform that was in use for um, urgent care. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so we spun up a new tenant of that. But all wow. three of those solutions were completely separate from our EHR and our clinical system. So I think the biggest challenge was, you know, you know, once you got beyond just training everyone on what they had to do was that, you know, each one of these were a little bit different. Um, they all relied on email only. So that was challenging for patients who didn't, you know, had a, a mobile phone, but maybe not an email. Um, one of the solutions required a login for the patient and duplicate entry of the schedule itself. Um, so they were just really, you know, we knew those were not long-term solutions. Um, it was confusing for patients because you'd have an appointment, say, with your primary care physician using one platform, and then you would see a specialist and maybe using, you know, use something else. So, um, you know, but, you know, we knew we were just doing what we needed to, to, you know, get, sure. make sure that patients were receiving care. Um, but pretty quickly, we, we started having conversations with our colleagues at BIDMC 
um, around, you know, how what the longer term solution would be. Yeah. So how did you approach that integration with the EHR and kind of have you changed it over time? It's, you know, obviously you rushed to implement, and, you know, have you changed it? Or there's still things you're hoping to change about the integration with the EHR? Sure. So, um, so yeah, so we embarked on a, a, you know, a whole project with our colleagues at the medical center to build telehealth functionality into the EHR at the medical center, which is a homegrown EHR. So we had the benefit of, of that. Um, and so we really, we had uh, identified telehealth clinical champions in each one of our clinical areas. So we had a physician, generally a physician lead in those areas. And we worked closely with that group on defining our requirements on what, we, what this needed to look like. Um, and then the technical team at BIDMC worked really quickly to come up with a prototype. And we were testing that, I think, in the fall of 2020 in like September, October timeframe with some of those clinical champions. Um, and that really, that solution addressed many of the challenges that we were facing with these other tools where, you know, this was embedded with the in the scheduling process, the clinicians accessed it right from their schedule in the EHR, they could see the status of the appointment, like, oh, the patient is waiting, I can see that they're waiting and they're ready versus like, the patient hasn't even clicked on the link to, you know, to engage, like the invitation was sent, but that's all that's happened. So they could see all those statuses, which was really helpful for them. Um, so, so that's been uh, really successful. And we were able to roll that out really in earnest starting in uh, January of 2021. And so now that's the solution where uh, about, about 85% of all of our telehealth video visits are going through that integrated solution in the EMR. Yeah, and no logins, right? I mean. <laughs> no logins, you can send it via um, email or a link to the patient. That was one of our design principles. It has to be really easy for the patient. So it doesn't require them to log into the patient portal. They don't need a portal account. Um, they just need to click on the link that they can receive either by text or by email. Um, they don't have to download anything. It's browser-based, um, so just really easy to use. What about your meaningful use measures for portal logins, though? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thankfully, we don't worry about that, that here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it is the number one lesson learned from telehealth from so many that I talk to. It's like, no, no one wants to log in. At most, maybe a birthday or something that they know, you know, that they can validate themselves, and that's fine. But and yeah. that's exactly what we use. Actually, they click in. Um, they validate with their date of birth so that we have, you know, some kind of ver verification that it's them. We actually put in the consent, patient consent on the next screen, um, and then they go into a waiting room. Wow. Uh, so what does that look like for, you know, your patients? It sounds like 85% use this system. You know, you know, I guess they probably love that they can get it by text, by email, it, it, you know, and, and are they embracing it? Is it falling off? You know, what's it look like two years kind of post-COVID? Yeah, so um, we're still doing 14% uh, of our ambulatory care is by telehealth. Wow. So we're still doing a really strong number of visits through telehealth. You know, there's certainly some areas where it's um, more prevalent than others. So primary care, yeah. um, psychiatry has been, you know, incredibly successful. Mm -hmm. They've dropped their no-show rate from 
think it was almost 20% to about 5% around that area. That makes sense now, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so it's been really great for that patient population. Like they're getting more consistent care because they're, they're, you know, keeping their appointments. Um, You know, neurology where we have patients who might have limited mobility. So there's just lots of really good use cases for, you know, for telehealth going forward. And we also found that, when we in Boston had the Omicron initial surge in January, we saw that our telehealth numbers go up to almost 20% in that month. So, you know, one of the things that I think is great about the solution is that it's flexible so that we're able to say like, okay, when, you know, we have a surge and patients don't want to come in person, we're able to flip those visits really easily. Um, and then as things um, go back down again, patients are, you know, come in person if they're comfortable with that. Yeah, no, I guess that's the other COVID takeaway is flexibility is key to the future going forward. We need to be able to ramp up and down as needed. Um, I'd love to hear what you think and what's been your experience, you know, as far as telehealth and its impact on on physician burnout. How are your physicians looking at telehealth? Do they just see it as another modality? Does it help with burnout? Does it provide flexibility? Or are they like, no, I hate it. Bring them in the office. Like, what, what are you seeing and hearing? Yeah, I mean, I would say for, you know, for the most part, they really like it. And they certainly like this integrated solution better than what we were doing, you know, yeah. in the early days of the pandemic. Um, because it really is, it, it, it most, it very closely mirrors their workflow, their in-person workflow. Um, and it does give them the flexibility. And we have um, clinicians that do, you know, telehealth sessions where they don't need to be in the office and, um, and they really, uh, they do like that. I think some How of the challenges. approach the scheduling? Is it really a dedicated telehealth day, or are they seeing someone in the office and then a telehealth and then someone in the office? Or how, how have you structured the scheduling there? Um, it kind of it varies, but we do have um, many practices that where they're doing sessions. So they might have one set telehealth session a week in addition to their in person. Okay. Um, but we've also seen where. Um, that we have clinicians doing it intermittently. And some of that is they're able to schedule more ad hoc when a patient needs to be seen maybe more urgently or um, they can fit them in if they have a a no-show during their schedule or a gap in their schedule, they can do a telehealth and see that patient. Um, So that's that's been really nice. I think one of the challenges is around the you know, the support that happens kind of before and after an in-person visit where, you know, you might have the MA doing, you know, the med list and, and checking things with the patient. Um, and that's in general, not universally um, in place for most of our practices. It's really the, just the, the clinician. I see that more um, in the primary care practices. They're doing a little more of that because I think there, you know, there's more work there. Um, but that's one of the things that um, they they don't like as much because there's, you know, the the they don't have the staff support for those telehealth visits. I mean, I've always been fascinated by this, right? Like. At what office do you go and the doctor does the intake? <laughs> like in, in person, uh, that never happens, right? The nurse or MA or whoever takes you back and does the intake and kind of preps you and everything. Uh, but then we went to telehealth and we said, oh, we'll just send you straight to the doctor. 
you know, I, I don't, you know, I, obviously I haven't done the studies to understand. It will be interesting to see how that evolves to your point though, because uh, that is valued by the doctor, but is it necessary? I don't know, right? I think we have to yeah. discover that. So. Yeah, and I think, you know, at the same time that we've done telehealth, which was, you know, at the start of the pandemic, then we've also mm -hmm. gone into this huge staffing crisis. So uh, there's very enough. limited resource, practice resources to do that, even if, um, you know, if, if things were staffed in a more normal way, maybe there would be bandwidth for staff to help with the telehealth visits. But, you know, that's just not the reality of where things are right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be an AI in me, right? Is that? <laughs> yeah, well, let's have a bot do it. <laughs> well, I mean, for some of it, it makes sense on an intake, right? But uh, so what do you see as really being the key, you know, the key to telehealth being successful going forward? What do you see on that horizon that you want to be working on or that you're watching for that could impact your telehealth efforts? Well, I mean, the biggest thing that we're waiting on is to see where reimbursement shakes out. And so, you know, I think people have been kind of hold, holding our breaths to say like, you know, we really want telehealth to say it's been, you know, incredibly valuable to patients and providers. Um, and the reason we weren't doing it before the pandemic isn't because it wasn't, you know, a good thing and people didn't want to do it. We just, there was no reimbursement or very limited reimbursement for telehealth. Um, and so as we move out of the public health emergency, you know, things are gonna change. And, you know, the way the Medicare rules are written as today, telehealth phone visits will not be covered mm -hmm. at all after the PHE. Now there's, you know, certainly there's been a lot of advocacy and, and movement in the last few months, which has been great to see. Um, but, you know, that's definitely concerning and, you know, and people are generally hesitant to go all in on changing the way they practice if they're not sure about, you know, how things are going to be reimbursed. Yeah, that's a great point. I think it's interesting, though, that you said that patients and providers love telehealth. I've argued that patients have always loved it, right? Like, you know, if I have a screaming child that's sick, I don't want to take them in, right? That's, there's two other that I'm dragging along with me, et cetera, right? You know, like that's hard. Uh, but from the provider standpoint, it doesn't change as much. So I'd love to hear why, why do you think your providers love, I mean, besides the fact that many providers just care about their patients and they want to do what's right for their patient. That makes sense. Are there other things that you see that your doctors are like, oh, this telehealth has been great? You know, I, I do think that, um, you know, one of the things we look at is it, this is a way to, um, you know, there are, there are certain types of visits that are clinically appropriate for telehealth and others aren't. Um, and that um, when space and access is an issue and we can have some of our telehealth visits, um, you know, not taking up space in the medical center and we can see more patients um, if that's appropriate for in-person, um, there's opportunity there to kind of add capacity, which is nice. Um, you know, I do think, you know, it's not universal. I think you're right. You know, some, some clinicians are happy to go back to in-person, um, but many of our clinicians do see a place for telehealth going forward. Um, and, you know, we, we know that, you know, we've heard that patients are often, you know, sometimes more engaged and more forthcoming in telehealth. Yeah. 
they're more comfortable, they're in their own homes. Um, you know, that's also, a, you know, there's two sides of that though too. Some patients don't have private space in their own mm -hmm. home. And so they're, um, they actually can be, that, that can impede their ability to really have honest conversations with their, their clinician, so. Yeah. Well, and I've, I have heard that, right? Many doctors talking about, I was able to treat them better by seeing the environment that, that they, they were in. And that helped me understand why they were some, having some of the health issues they had. So right. That, that makes sense. Right. Have the patient go grab all their medications and, you know, line them up so they can, they have them right there versus trying to remember something. So there's yeah, a lot that's of That's where the AI bot needs to be able to, you know, scan it and know. That, that's yeah. where we can use AI. <laughs> uh, that's really interesting. Um, so, we're, you know, I, we always like to end with a little bit of career stuff, you know, on, on this podcast. So there's a lot of shifts happening. I mean, we talked about telehealth on this episode, right? Lots of digital transformation, kind of a buzzword, right? But, uh, you know, it is transforming uh, what we're doing. What career advice would you have for a CIO out there with all these changes that are happening? Yeah, I mean, well, I think in IT, we're always all about changes. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, that's, so I, that's the most fun part of, you know, what we do, I think. Um, you know, I think the strong partnership with clinicians, mm. it's so important um, because, you know, it, it, you really need to be using IT as a tool to enable the, you know, the vision of the clinicians um, versus kind of just putting out the shiny new toy where you're not really sure kind of where that fits into the, into the um, priority or the workflow of the organization. Um, and then I would say, you know, you need to find what's the right fit for your own organization. Um, you know, I think that, you know, there's lots of directions to go in right now. And I think, you know, it's always good to have like an ambitious goal and like, it may take you time to get there and you start with different pieces of it. Um, you know, I think we've been focused on, on telehealth during the pandemic and maintaining that. Um, we certainly wanna, we're doing some, a little bit of work with remote patient monitoring, but you know, I think hospital at home is another really exciting um, area of growth. So I think it's really all about, you know, it's another modality. It does, it's, you know, it's sort of the where of where you're getting your care, but it's the, it's, it's the same care, right? It's yeah. just, whether you're at home, whether it's telehealth, whether you're, it's a hospital at home. Well, and I, I think it's great that you highlighted the partnership with the clinicians because so much of what IT did in the past was just utility work, plumbing work. But now so much of the transformation is impacting the clinical care. So I, that makes sense. It's great advice to really partner with the physicians because you're going to impact clinical care in a way that in the past, you know, having Wi-Fi network up or <laughs> desktop yeah. doesn't impact it the same way. So yeah. well, Leanne, thanks so much. I appreciate you uh, being on the CIO podcast and thanks everyone for watching and listening. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com or search for the CIO podcast by Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcasting application. Thank you, Leanne. Thanks for having me, John.